Welcome to the Alcohol Rethink Podcast with me, your host, Patrick Fox. This podcast is for the guys out there who question the role that alcohol plays in their lives, men who want to stop drinking and don't know where to go or how to start. We're going to cover all of that and more. Let's go. Hi guys and welcome to episode 62 of the Alcohol Rethink Podcast. Back from my holidays, had a beautiful time away down in the south of Spain, not far from Marbella. It was pretty amazing, I really loved it. I had a lot of thinking time which was good and got some cool, cool ideas for episodes coming up in the future which I'm going to be sharing with you. And it also gave me an opportunity to reach out to some awesome guys out there in the world who are choosing to live their lives without alcohol. And I'm very thrilled and pleased to be joined by one today. He is known as Happy Without Hooch over on Instagram. But you may also know him as Michael Sarwood. So he is on Instagram. He's there he is creating a lot of awareness. He's bigging up sober legends. He wants to have a lot of fun on this journey, right? And he wants you guys to have a lot of fun as well. So I'm really pleased to have him on today. We're going to be talking about all things sobriety. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi there, Patrick. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. It's been uh, a lot of fun following you over on Instagram. <laughs> think you, the, the ideas that you get for the reels are quite incredible really so maybe you want to just tell us a little bit about them for a minute actually um well i only discovered instagram last year when i went sober um yeah because i thought it was you know it's just for young people who want to take selfies um but then i started organizing some events and wanted to promote them set up an instagram account and i at the time i'd um recently gone sober and I found there's a whole community, a whole sober community out there on Instagram. And I ended up just using it for making new com- connections with other alcohol-free people and mutual support, really. I just found it's it's a really supportive platform. In fact, I don't think I've looked on Instagram for anything other than the sober stuff. So there's probably a whole wealth of rubbish out there on it, too. Um, but I just I just don't look at any of it. Um and, that, and on the back of that, I've made quite a few friends, which I'd, is something I've struggled to do since giving up booze. Um, and I found out a lot about events that are going on and launched a website to help um, promote and advertise alcohol-free events. Because if you're just starting out in sobriety, I, I found it very hard to find any events that were going on that weren't sort of drinking and pub-based Um but they're out there. They were just hard to find. So I've been trying to put everything in one place so other people who are starting out with sobriety can see if there's other people, meetups and events near them. Yeah, I love that, man. It's so fucking cool. And you're right. There is an amazing community on Instagram. And and until you actually start making this choice for yourself or like even like being so curious how you want to look at it is like you don't even realize that that's even there and so when I look at my Instagram feed now like it's similar to yours probably like <laughs> I follow a lot of sober people sober influencers like a lot of because I'm a coach as well so there's like, I've got like, tons of coaching things so I think it's really important that 
what what's in your feed is like what you're going to be taking in kind of consciously and unconsciously subconsciously as well so it's important to to fill it with things that are going to support you rather than make you feel like you're missing out right exactly there's there's affirmation and inspiration there that you can get from others who are going through um sobriety either starting out um or people who are further ahead than you and i think in particular if you're starting out in sobriety then following um and connecting with people who are further ahead of you in the journey is really useful because you just learn so much by through the experience of going through sobriety i mean nobody no two people will have exactly the same experience but there are definitely some common trends um there's certainly different you'll feel different on month one to month three and different again from month six um and it's i think I've found that making connection with others and still being able to have a social life has been key to me staying sober. And the other part of Instagram was, yes, connecting with other people. Um, but also I've never really done journaling, which I know a lot of people find useful. But by posting regularly, not quite daily, onto Instagram, that's essentially my form of journaling because it's always yeah. focused on sobriety. Um, I talk about the ups and downs. So essentially, I'm journaling without a journal. And I, I find that just keeps me focused on my sobriety, which is important to me. Yeah. That, and I mean, it's such a great tip almost, really, because it is a form of journaling, right? Like it's you just putting down your thoughts it, instead of on paper, just onto a digital format or in often in your case, like in a video format. Right. So, yeah, I think it's great. I think it just helps you keep on track. But, but what's cool about it is because then you actually get engagement with it as well, right? So it's not even just your thoughts. It's like then people get to comment on your thoughts as well. And it just like opens it up even more. So, yeah, I and love you it. Can, you can open up debate. I like to have a bit of fun on there because sobriety can be a bit of a a, a serious topic sometimes. And it can all feel a bit heavy. So I try and keep it a bit lighter. Um it's because I think we've got enough seriousness going on. So every now and then it is okay to have a bit of a, a laugh whilst we tackle what's quite a, a serious topic or can be because for a lot of people, the reason um, for choosing to go sober is because of some horrible stuff that's happened in their life or a really bad relationship with alcohol, which has brought them to a really low place. So that that is serious, but it doesn't mean we, we can't have a bit of fun whilst um whilst we're on the way really yeah absolutely life after alcohol <laughs> and so that's kind of like a, a nice little segue actually michael because i'd love to hear about like your journey right and so what has been it what has it been like for you since you've stopped drinking and why did you stop drinking okay well um i've sober about 18 months now just shy of 18 months nice um and i stopped I, it's, when i stopped drinking is a bit difficult because i've done it loads of times but then mm. i've had two serious stints of sobriety not many people get it right first time um the first my first attempt serious attempt at um giving up alcohol was just before lockdown um didn't know lockdown was about to happen or be as long as it was at the time yeah. Um, and I had just woken up after a two day binge, um, on vodka and I, I thought I'd woken up the, the day after, but I'd actually blacked out for 
over 24 hours. Um, so when I looked in my diary, I couldn't quite believe it, my calendar, that I'd missed a whole day, except during that day I had been active and I had been doing things and I'd been continuing drinking. It's just I remembered absolutely none of it. And it's the first time where I had over 24 hours to black out. And I was, I just felt so awful. Um, I just, I was lying on the sofa for two days, um, sweating. Um, I was drinking water, but I had no appetite otherwise. I couldn't stand any sound even. So I was just sitting, lying there on the sofa in silence by myself for two days and just drinking water and occasionally going to the toilet. And I thought, oh, I just, scary. I, I can't do this to myself anymore. Um, yeah. It's got to stop now because there's always been, there's, there's always an excuse as to why I shouldn't stop now because there's some social event around the corner where there would be an expectation to drink. Looking back on it, I mean, it's absolute rubbish. It's like I was putting that pressure on myself. What's the worst that can happen if you don't drink? I was worrying that, you know, people would be unhappy if I didn't drink. People are delighted that I didn't drink because I used to ruin events. <laughs> uh, or people were coming around and they expected a good piss up. Well, they could have one, but I didn't have to join in. But I always thought that there would be a better time to stop. It was something I intended to do, like it, it, but as long as it was timed correctly. But there's there's no perfect time to stop. Just just stop. If it's if alcohol's causing problems in your life, and for mine it had been for years, then just stop now. Don't plan to stop sometime in the future, which will keep on moving forwards because another event comes up. Well, yeah, and that's it. And it, it, it it's dangerous territory because, like, every time that you you plan to stop in the future, but then you you like carry on drinking, like you you you're continuing to reinforce that habit, that pattern of behaviour, and so you know, tomorrow never comes, as the expression goes, right? So, yeah, it's, it's... exactly. It's a, it's a bit like that diet that always starts tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'll start on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, I've been starting on Monday with a diet for ages. So, um, yeah, there's there's no time like the present. Um, tomorrow's not going to be any better or worse than today. Um, but for me, I'm just because I'm stubborn, I suppose. It took me to hit like a, a real rock bottom. And I stayed sober um, for seven months on that stint. And then it was autumn. I'd had a hard time, a, work, a hard week at work. I went to the pub, as I often did on the Friday, except I normally just guzzled pepsi max um and the the cocktail menu had been staring at me all night and then towards the end um i thought i could just have one that little invasive thought of just one thinking because you know about seven months (laughs) off i'd probably you know be satisfied after one and probably it hit me quite quickly i had another uh, and then i had a few more and then that was it i was drinking heavily again up to a bottle of vodka a night for four months um and then after those four months, I hit the same rock bottom, just feeling awful. I hadn't lost 24 hours to blackout this time, I don't think. Um, I did steal a giant novelty sausage from from a supermarket, though, which I hadn't remembered doing. Um, it was delicious. Um, but I thought, no, I'm just back exactly in the same low place that I was before. And I'd overdosed and was taken to the psychiatric unit and put under the care of the mental health team. And it's not the first time I've been to the psychiatric unit. Um, and I just didn't want to keep on going back there because it's, it's always my dad, who's now 70, who ends up picking up the pieces. My dad, who's 70 and I've never seen drunk in my life, who just doesn't understand drinking. 
Um, and I thought, I, I knew by that point what it was like to live without alcohol. I mean, before that, I'd, I'd drunk heavily since I was 18. Um, so I had something to compare it to. And I thought, no, I preferred it when I wasn't drinking at all. And I'm never going to hack moderation. So that's it. I'll go for it. I'll have another, I'll start again. I'll have another go at it. And that was 18 months ago. Nice so one. I think this time it has stuck because I just don't want to return to that constant cycle of misery and madness. Um, and the the so-called sacrifices of giving up alcohol um they're more than compensated for by the rewards of not having that anxiety dread depression um and i just prefer life without it yeah my life's been different now but it's better yeah right and it's such a great point because so often you know like when i speak it to guys or just anybody who's who perhaps isn't interested in stopping drinking they're just like well i just couldn't mm. imagine life without it and and that right there is the challenge because like as you said they've got nothing to compare it with or people will do a stint of not drinking but it will be very much like forced or you know like exactly a one month uh, challenge for a dry january yeah exactly and, and like February. nothing changes in terms of their mindset and how they're like viewing what's happening and why they're doing it and you know like they're just focused on missing out all of the time so of course exactly. like when that when that day comes it's like oh let's get fucking smashed again right so exactly. you even though things will even in a 30-day break right like <laughs> things still would have been changing like a lot of the times you won't even see what's changing like some of it's going to be well majority of it's going to be internal mm. right like your liver is going to have started to to recover gradually you know like so this stuff is changing but because you don't see it because you're not focused on it that's why people no, are just like yeah can... on the, if you spend the uh, the whole of say dry january focusing on the first of february you're gonna have a miserable january and honestly <laughs> yeah, right. i don't i've got mixed views about um dry january i think it's a great cause but i don't think one month is long enough if you're wanting to see how giving up alcohol can change your life then one month isn't going to do it it's um I've, I've compared it before it's like people who go on the challenge and then get wasted on the first of february uh, i've compared that to sort of getting into bed having the foreplay and then just as the foreplay plays finishing shitting the bed and ruining all you haven't even got to the good part yet it's yeah. like you've got to <laughs> carry on for me i think 90 days or three months that's like a critical period if you're serious about seeing what life is like without alcohol then give it three months. If it feels a bit better, then give it six. Um, for me, I found that by three months, I was getting used to it. I'd broken the habit, um, but I was still feeling very lost in a way. I felt like I, I still didn't know how to fill my time because all of my free time had been consumed by going out, going to the pub, getting drunk, partying, and all of a sudden, I mean, I calculated and I had about 25 to 30 hours a week. If you include the planning and the recovering from hangovers, plus the drinking, I've got about 25 to 30 hours a week back for my life. And I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to fill it because um, I'm not going to the pub because I know the temptation will be too strong because what happened last time when I relapsed. Um, and because I'm not going to the pub, I'm not seeing the same people. And because all my friends were drinkers, 
um, I was I was alone quite a lot of the time, um, and I was alone and bored, and boredom is a huge trigger. So I was constantly trying to find things that made me not bored, or if I did get to, just try and nap it off. I mean, naps have saved me quite a few times actually. Sometimes you're just tired and need to get yourself to bed. Um, so for me, I mean that the, the changes happened when I started feeling comfortable about my sobriety and happy about it was probably about the six month mark because I'd managed to make enough changes in my life that my life felt fulfilling without alcohol because I made new friends I was doing new activities I changed my routines so one month yeah you're not going to change your life in one month if you're if you're doing a one month challenge I, I recommend you do it but if you want to see the changes then you've got to stick it out for longer yeah, but also like do that one month challenge, but like do the work in between as well, right? Like really start questioning your relationship to alcohol rather than just kind of like abstaining for a month in, oh, yeah. in waiting. Don't but just mourn it. It can yeah. be like grieving a friend. If you spend oh, the whole 100%. month grieving a friend without thinking about trying to sort of find new things to do, then then it is going to be a really miserable month in January, which is when most people do it in the uk um the month, worst month, month probably i was gonna say it's the most miserable month anyway yeah christmas is over the weather's horrible um it's not easy to do stuff outside because it's disgusting weather and um yeah don't expect your life to become all sweetness and joy in in january uh, in a january without alcohol <laughs> just just try a bit longer yeah right so you said there around like your your, your dad he wasn't a drinker or isn't a drinker. So like what what were your influences growing up? Um alcohol wasn't really I wasn't surrounded by it as a kid. It's mm. just um said my dad, I think he drank a little bit when he was younger, but he he's he said to me he's he's never liked alcohol. Um he just doesn't like the way it makes him feel like that he's not in control of himself and that is exactly the same reason why I did like alcohol it just let me lose all my inhibitions so um so for me I didn't really I was quite in British terms I was quite late in discovering alcohol I think I was the first time I got drunk was when I was 17 and Mm -hmm. I took a bottle of wine to a New Year's Eve party with some friends no nobody else wanted it so I drank all to myself vomited um but I, I knew I loved it. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Like... It made me feel so uninhibited because I was quite socially anxious. And then if you're going out, I mean, that used to terrify me, going out into uh, pubs or rooms for the people I didn't know. Um, but I could immediately overcome that anxiety once I'd had a drink. And before long, I could sort of dance on the table or something. So it just brought me out of Michelle. And I suppose I used that as a crutch and it's so easy to um and i just like the the sense of euphoria it brought me so it quietened my mind enabled me to navigate um social situations and i just got a massive a massive rush from it so i was instantly in love and it's what i wanted to do whenever i had some free time and the, and the money to do it yeah yeah it's kind of like this fallacy almost that we get to be someone different right like because it, it does give you that false confidence because you have you do lose your inhibitions but it's like noticing what it really was covering up was like that kind of social anxiety that you're experiencing and so I wonder right like 
how do you come out of your shell now? Because, you know, before you having stopped drinking, right? Like that, mm. what the reason you were drinking would still be there in the first place, right? Yeah. So I hadn't really appreciated this would happen when I stopped drinking. It, uh, mm. I, when I was going out and I was sober, I'd, I'd enter sort of a, a bar or a pub or another sort of social occasion. But at first, it was mainly bars and pubs because I tried to continue my usual social life, but just with um, soft drinks in my hand rather than alcohol. And so I was going, still going to quite a lot of bars and pubs and I found it a really stressful situation, especially mm. because I, you, know, you have to tolerate people's behaviour that normally you'd only tolerate when you're drinking. The things that you find funny drunk, you don't often find funny sober and people don't always behave yeah, like you'd want them to. And I was finding myself wanting a drink. And what I discovered then was really actually I'm quite a socially anxious person still. I felt like I'd been transported back to back to my teens before I'd stopped drinking. Yeah. And so I'd never really appreciated that this was an issue for me. I've always thought of myself as a confident person, but that's only because I had my secret weapon of alcohol to uh, give me some confidence. So... I, I knew that I had to do something about this. I've, I've got some friends who still just don't go out for social events. Um, I've run some sober events and there are some, a couple of people there who hadn't been out socially for over 10 years because since they've given up drinking, wow. they just didn't want to go into yeah. social events. Um, and so it's, it's, it's quite common that you, you were socially anxious when you stopped drinking and you probably always have been. <laughs> until you discover drink so i didn't want that to be me i didn't want to be someone who stayed in for 10 years so i thought well i can either stay in for 10 years which i don't want to do or i could just start trying to face those fears um mm. and beat them so um there was in, in my local town of south end on sea there's um there's an improvised uh comedy a store and they run courses and I, I've always enjoyed comedy I've enjoyed watching it and I knew they had the courses but I thought there is no way on God's green earth I could ever go up on stage in front of a load of people and try to be funny um so I thought I'd better do it then that is something that's going to scare me more than if I can tackle that then that's got to help me along the way with my, my confidence. So I enrolled on the course. I did the 10-week course. And at the end of it, there's a there's a showcase. Um, and you're performing on stage to a paying crowd. And it's like, I, I noticed some of the other guys there and girls, but predominantly the guys who were chugging pints before they went on. Because mm. I, I could see that they were nervous. I could see it in their eyes and the fact that they were really twitchy. And I just had them... A, I just had some water or something. And for some reason, I just didn't feel nervous at all. Um, and I think retrospectively, the reason why I didn't feel nervous was I was doing it for different reasons to the other people. Previously, I'd have put a load of pressure on myself to be really funny um, or to, to be the best there. Um, and then that pressure I put on myself would mean I'd fall apart because I've always suffered from nerves. I like I shake very visibly when I'm nervous. I failed three driving tests because I couldn't keep my legs still on the pedals. That's how nervous I get. <laughs> right. Um, and so for me, I was I was going up there not to be funny. I mean, if I was funny, that was a bonus. But I just wanted to prove to myself 
that I could stand up on a stage and I could survive it. I could put myself through that. And that meant I, the, the fact that I turned up meant that I'd already succeeded. So by turning up and having committed to it, I thought, well, I've already done what I said I was going to do. I've met that challenge. I'm going to go up there now. And, and if people laugh at some of the jokes, well, that's, that's a bonus. But if they don't, I'll have survived it and I'll have been stronger for it. Because to be fair, most people, when they start at something, they're not very good at it because they've just started. Of course. So, no, <laughs> so if I'm not funny, well, it might be a bit awkward for a little bit, but I'll learn from it and I'll grow from it in confidence either way, because as long as I don't die, then I'll show that I can survive the situation. And, yeah. and I signed up again. So I've done it um, twice now. I'm about to start again after the, the break uh, in September, do another um session of that um and that for me has been been one thing that's really enabled me to overcome that sort of that fear of i suppose it's a fear of being seen and heard mm. i never like to be seen and heard without a drink i'd want to blend in the background um and now i just it's it's brought me out of my out of my shell i suppose but i'm medicated and it's something I recommend people do, not necessarily comedy, but if there's something, there's some situation that scares you, do it. Um, it doesn't have to be anything major. You might, like my partner's got anxiety, um, social anxiety, and I mean, it's a struggle to get him to go on public transport. Um, that's why we've never been to London together for a day up because he won't get on the train. But we've signed up to, uh, we're going to an event next month. Um, so not next month in October. So that will be the biggest challenge for me is if we make it to London, if he actually faces getting on the train. So when people say do something that scares you, to go, you don't have to chuck yourself out of a plane. I mean, you can do if you like, if you've got a terrible fear of plane. Just do something that you're really uncomfortable with it and do it enough that you're not uncomfortable with it anymore. Yeah. It's kind of like exposure therapy, isn't it? It's like just doing something that scares you like putting yourself out there like even even being sober scares people right lots of girls they don't know what to expect yeah. and they think their life's going to be boring and then unfortunately for a lot of people yeah the first month to three months they are boring because you don't know how to live yet so and then people say oh isn't it boring without alcohol and you might find yourself trying to say oh no it's just like all sweetness but you're thinking yeah it is it's just it reaffirms what your presumptions but yeah you've got to stick it out you've got to um take it for longer as i said but um i have gotten in a bit of trouble though with this whole um scare yourself thing i gave this advice to my partner who's now sober as well um cool. i said what well, you should do things that scare you now um and he did take it a bit too literally um so <laughs> I, t I thought like I was giving him this advice to do things that scare you and it probably gone through one ear and out the other. And then about three days later, I had this sort of delivery and I was thinking, oh, what's this? I haven't watched anything. Um, and I opened it up and inside was this little um, little pot. There was like a urine sample pot, you know, the time. and there was a live tarantula in it. And, oh <laughs> and then there was a little vivarium. So his interpretation of do something that scares you was he'd bought a tarantula because he's scared of spiders. So he bought one as a pet. And I'm like, of course, he was too scared to handle it. So I've got to then try and take this tarantula out of, <laughs> of a pot, put it into the vivarium. 
It's got to eat crickets. So I went and bought crickets. He was scared of the crickets. He didn't like the way they jumped. So I'm then having to try and catch crickets. And uh. (laughs) So it's good to do things that scare you, but you don't have to live with a spider. That's probably taking things a bit too literally. Um, Don't do it. Although, that said, he's not scared of the crickets anymore or the spider. We don't handle it because it's got poisonous bristles and it's quite fast. It has escaped before and we've had to catch it. That was not nice. It's bloody quick. Um, But yeah, he has actually overcome that fear, but it's still not, it's still not attack. I would, um, something I'd recommend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, mate. Makes me feel funny just even thinking about it. And so, what I think is great in, in in there, what you've just been saying as well, is like the first few months, like just, you know, you don't have to be good at being sober in a sense, right? Mm. Like just give yourself permission to not all of a sudden have like totally transformed your life because you're not oh, drinking God. anymore. It's just like, yeah, maybe it's going to be a bit boring. Maybe it's going to suck. Maybe, you know, like you're going to feel a bit down a little bit it's okay but like you just think like after that three months the rest of your life after that like you can build on it and do whatever you want like find all of these different fun things that you want to fill your life up with but just like giving yourself permission to I think sometimes people think it's going to be like so boring that Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to handle it so just allow yourself to be bored allow yourself to And this is what I've said to some people um, I've chatted to online and in person. They're talking about social events they've got to go to or work events. And they're worried like about not drinking. And I'm saying, well, all you have to do is you have to turn up. You don't have to have a good time. It's perfectly fine to have a lousy time, go back sober, go to bed with a cup of tea. You don't, we put pressure on ourselves. Yep to have a really good time all the time, but it's okay not to. I can handle being bored. I can't handle being manically depressed in the psychiatric unit. And when I was first giving up drinking, I was just telling myself, look, I can can handle a shit three months. I can handle a bad three months in order to have a good rest of my life. That's like, it's a small investment. I'm hoping that, you know, I'll be alive a few more years. So three months out of your life, of feeling a bit wobbly, feeling a bit rubbish, feeling excruciatingly bored, maybe, or just having like your emotions all over the place. Well, it's still that's still a worthwhile investment because the rest of your life, hopefully, is going to be longer than three months. Yeah, that's it. But like the way that our brain works, we're we're, we're so instant gratification kind of yeah desirable what am i trying to say like we're we're so primed for that instant gratification like seeking that pleasure just because of the way our brain works in terms of like pleasure equaling survival and stuff but it's recognizing that you know yes three months might feel a bit boring you might not do what you used to be doing but (laughs) what is possible the other side of that three months is quite incredible yeah it can be for a lot of people or it might just be um, fairly mediocre, but you might be happy about it. <laughs> I found that's Whoa. what it's like for me as well. I found that I've, I've, I have a little saying to myself is that, I mean, I used to like work really hard, drink hard. Um, 
and I was exhausted most of the time. I hardly ever I slept very little. I was normally up until about two, three in the morning, and then getting up at sort of half seven. Um, drunk still or really hungover. Um, but and I, I thought I was living life to the max. But now I'm like I'm quite happy to live live life to the medium. <laughs> I maxed myself out. Is is my life's a bit gentler now? I'm not punishing myself constantly. Um, and I prefer that. I don't need everything to be amazing and big and fast. I don't need to live fast and die young. I'm quite happy to to plod along and appreciate what's around me. Yeah, man. I'm more than happy to be in bed at 10 o'clock and get up at 6 a.m. <laughs> oh, I can go at 10 o'clock, but I'm still not up at 6 a.m. most of the time. I can go to bed at 10 and still be up, you know, struggle to get up at 8. But... <laughs> <laughs> have a nap halfway through the afternoon. You know, as soon as I finished work at five, have a nap before dinner. Nice. Um. All right. Cool. So let's let's look at some ways, ideas, advice you have for like any guys out there who want to stop drinking, who perhaps are kind of like a little bit concerned about what life is going to be like after they stop drinking. Like, how can they start to kind of build their social life? Like, what would you offer them? I think um, for lads, it's particularly difficult um, because in British culture, you know, we have we've got lad culture. If you're yeah. British and male, then you you show how British and male you are by drinking, and there's the everyone's putting pressure on each other to drink because it identifies your masculinity in some way. Like if you're not drinking, or you you get called a girl or a wuss, or so like, so there is incredible pressure to drink. As a lad, which I, there is some pressure to drink as a woman. I'm not a woman, so I haven't experienced it. But mm. it's the drinking culture is very prevalent among men, and so saying no uh, can mean being shunned by your peers. So I think what I discovered was it's perfectly okay um, to sack your mates off for a while <laughs> if your mates are all drinkers. Yeah, and you're going to be in a position of temptation people often worry that they'll lose their friends when they stop drinking you can have a break from your friends without losing them and actually it's quite a good test as to who's your friend so if you say to your mates look i'm really struggling with this i don't want to drink because it's sending me around the bend or whatever i'm taking a break from it if um if those mates are still there when you've uh, finished drinking then sorry when you finished you yeah, three months or whatever. If they stick by you, then their mates they're worth keeping. But some will just naturally disappear into the background, and you'll find that actually that bond you thought you had with your friend was a bond just over alcohol. If they can't find time to see you uh, or take part in some sort of activity that doesn't involve drinking, then they're not probably good for you in the long term. But there are other friends who will continue drinking themselves probably, but will still find time for you and will support you in what you're trying to achieve. And they're the ones you want to want to stick by. Ones who will say, look, good on you. I'll, I'll support you in that. Not the ones who just want to... There are ones who will want you to fail because they want you to continue drinking so they're not drinking on their own. But um, I, I think it's the reality that some people just find their social circle changes or disappears completely. And then it's it's on you to to find a new circle and and it can be tricky that's where i found that sort of going online and finding activities 
that you can take part in that don't involve drink um, really helps. So you say that you get up now at six and go to bed at 10. And I found this um, generally, <laughs> yeah, to be so common about um, with people who have given up drinking. And for me, I was like very resistant, like, God, no, I'm never going to get up early in the morning, go early to bed. I'm not that sort of person. I'll just try and do all the same exciting things I used to do, but without alcohol in my hand. And I've come to the realisation that I just don't have fun when I go out now at night. And I'd rather catch up for someone with a coffee or in the morning, go out for lunch or go for like some activity. I like walking, I like hill climbing, I like camping. I'd rather do all those things, make the most of the day, feel nice and naturally tired and go to bed now. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you a boring person. In fact, I'd much rather go out, sort of tackle a hill or mountain and go to bed and that's that's a lot less boring than recovering from a hangover all day and then going out to the pub and starting it again and talking over each other and spilling a kebab on yourself on the way home i know which i'd rather be doing now um so changing your routine getting up earlier going to bed earlier that can really help um i wish i'd done it earlier instead of trying to prove that i didn't actually need to change anything else in my life because if you've ever been the nominated driver on a night out, you'll know what it's like to go on a night out when everyone's drinking but you. And generally, it's it's not a huge amount of fun. So going on a boozy night out when you're sober, it's just going to be like when you're a nominated driver, it's not going to be fun. And usually you'll be asked to be um, to take people home as well. Or you'll find yourself like I did. I was getting worried about people who were too drunk or lying on the street. And I just took it upon myself to make sure everyone was safe, everyone was going home. And at the end of it, I'd had a thoroughly miserable night because yeah. I was worried about everyone. I'd then be driving people home or making sure that they got home. And uh, it was just never fun. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they start like, saying, let's have one more. We'll just have one more oh, and then we'll God, go. Then they get and, the and, shops out and then they oh, insist on going to the shop and then the, and then the kebab shop. And then, and so, yeah, if you go sober, don't ever volunteer to be the uh, nominated driver because uh, if, if, they, um, if they found a way of getting home before you gave up drinking, like getting cabs and stuff, they can give up. Uh, they can find a way of getting home now you're sober as well. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. mean... Just because you're not drinking, you're going to be carting everyone around to save them a few quid. Just don't do it. It's not worth the agony. (laughs) Nice. It's so interesting as well, because I noticed this for me, is that when I stopped drinking, like I still had that Friday night mentality, you know, because because since fucking, I don't know, 15, 16 or whatever, like every weekend, it's always been about going out on the weekend. So then when I stopped, like I'd find myself staying... And even now, sometimes I find myself wanting to stay up really late. And I'm like, I'm tired. Like, there's really no reason for me to stay up late other than it's just like this conditioning of my past, right? Like thinking (laughs) I need to stay up late on a Friday and a Saturday or sleep in on a Sunday. And it's just like, you've got to start questioning those things as well. Like noticing if you've got resistance around them. No, I I find myself in exactly. I'd be looking forward to the weekend all all week. And then I think, oh, great, it's Friday. And I think, what am I actually going to do? <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that. It's like, oh, I suppose I'm just going to stay in again, stroke the cat, see what's on the box. <laughs> that got quite boring. Um, but now, actually, Fridays, um, I still look forward to not working, but I don't put any expectation on myself to do anything amazing. Um, in fact, Friday generally is the one night of the week where I'm 
not doing much and I might just have an early night. Because you know what? You are tired after a week at work. And so instead of making it even worse, I um, now sort of have a date night with my partner, you know, a meal, a film, or go out somewhere. In the summer, it's easy. I'll go swimming in the sea a lot. Nice. Um, also, good tip, if you, you know, if you do enjoy swimming at your local pool, it's normally empty on a Friday evening. Everyone's going out. <laughs> so if you get frustrated by swimming and like slow people being in front of you and the place being too crowded, do that on a Friday evening. Make yourself nice and tired and go to bed. Or go out for a meal. You can still be sociable and you can go out for a meal. There's still alcohol served there, but there's no pressure there's not as much pressure to drink it in a in a restaurant as there is in a pub. Yeah. I and I think it's like what am I trying to say here? Like having boundaries for yourself, right? Like going out for a meal and being okay with leaving at 10 o'clock when everyone else or whatever type, right? But leaving when you want to, not staying because of what you're thinking about what others are going to think and because you want to make sure everybody's going to be safe, right? We've got to remember like they're all fucking adults. They're choosing to do, to do what they're doing. Like we can't be responsible for everyone. So like really giving yourself, again, like giving yourself permission to be able to do what's true for you. Exactly, and enter it with an open mind. So like, I might enjoy it, I might not, and that's fine either way. Um, but yeah, it's just I, I used to stress out a lot about events when I was drinking, because especially work events, I knew that I'd drink too much, even if I intended not to, and I'd normally make an absolute idiot of myself and then worry about whether I still had a job afterwards. And that's no longer the case. I know I don't wake up with that sense of morning dread thinking what on earth did I do who have I got to apologize to where is all my stuff um I've discovered I've got um yesterday I looked in my wallet got, got my um bank card out I've had it for a year that is the longest I've ever had a bank card in my <laughs> life because I would be replacing it sort of every month I mean like twice in a month before but most months I'd lose my bank card and have to get a new one um yeah. and i've had this one a whole year I'm, i think i've had a little celebration for it nice and the one before that i hadn't lost but um i just changed banks so i've not lost a bank card for the whole of my sobriety i've also i've not lost my keys i mean i lose them every day but it's somewhere around the house um and i've not had any horrific accidents like i haven't been into a and e at all which is a nice relief as well because i generally just have accidents when i was drunk i hadn't broken any bones until i was 30 and by that time the drinking had really escalated um and then from 30 to 38 i've broken five um, all drink related all drink related i've got yeah. metal, in, metal in my left leg sort of titanium plates where it's had to be sort of a pins together um I've broken a tooth i've broken ribs broken an arm i've had second degree burns and it was all drink related and i used i was going to the hospital really quite regularly and then i'd have little um i'd be in the hospital for mental health reasons as well and that's connected i would always say it was because uh, i got poor mental health and there was nothing to do with the alcohol but i haven't had really bad i haven't had bad mental health problems at all since i gave up drinking yeah um, Amazing. And more importantly than that, is without the drink, I'm now able to make a, a fair assessment of, well, not me, 
professionals are able to make a fair assessment of my mental health before it's like well you give up drinking for a while and we'll see what's there because you can't understand your base level of of your mental health if you're still drinking because there's so many things that could be put down to the the drink or the drugs if you're taking them yeah so i mean i'm 40 now and i'm going for an adhd assessment for the first time in my life next month and I mean, I've already had a, an assessment by a psychotherapist and I almost got a perfect score, which apparently isn't a good thing. <laughs> um, but I've mastered it my whole life. I wouldn't have had a clue that there's a chance of me having ADHD. Um, I wouldn't have got to this far if I hadn't given up drinking because a lot of my behaviour could have just been put down to drink. Yeah, and that's it. And it's like, it's only once you stopped that you began to kind of look back and join all the dots together if you like i stopped drinking and i was thinking okay i feel a lot better but there's still something that's i don't think's right with me the drinking has helped a lot it's made me a lot more stable but i'm still struggling with lots of things that other people don't seem to struggle with so of 18 months on you know i struggle to keep my house tidy i forget things i'm late I can't, focus on, yeah. I can't focus on one thing at a time. I feel overwhelmed by sort of what I call life admin tasks that pe- other people seem to just breeze through. I really just struggle to complete. And then I feel awful because I've achieved nothing with my time sometimes. But then I can tackle something that's really complicated. And complicated. If, if it's something I'm interested in, then I can do a really good job of it. And like people will be thinking, oh, God, how did you do that? And then I'll watch them sorting out their filing cabinet or something. I think, God, how did you do that? And so, <laughs> it's, um, so I got a feeling that something else was going on still 18 months after I'd given up drinking. And that, Yeah, but now might never have seen it until you stopped no, as well. Yeah. I've now got the clarity of mind where it can be identified. Amazing all right michael it's been a pleasure having you on like time's absolutely whizzed by just one final question before we go and then i'd like you to kind of share how anybody can get in contact with you but like what does it mean to be radically human for you i was going to say i knew you're going to ask me this question and my first thought was oh god knows i'm still trying to be a basic human (laughs) Um, but i suppose for me being radically human it's just being authentic the bravest thing you can do is just be honest i mean i'm honest with myself and i'm honest with others at work as well now i take my struggles to work i'm i used to always try to be a different person at work there'd be a different persona that i'd have for different situations and now i feel like i'm just the same person in no matter what situation i'm in and people can have me warts and all and they can like it or lump it um because i'm just i'm fed up of of hiding things so i'm just going to be myself and people can make their own judgments but i'm not afraid to be myself anymore and i don't feel like i have to be perfect and i'm allowed to have problems and i'm allowed to tell people about them yeah absolutely that's it because like when you're not resisting all of that stuff like it just uh, it gives space for your humanness ultimately yeah it's, it takes up a lot of energy to pretend to be something you're not or to hide any problems that you have we're all human we've all got problems and that's an ego thing um i mean i think there's certain work cultures that encourage it um but if you can just go through life not hiding anything about yourself 
wear your heart on your sleeve. Talk, oh my God, talk to other guys about how you're feeling. That's something that scares most people. <laughs> Try yeah. that one, see how they react. But just be your authentic self. It's probably a bit cliched, but don't don't change yourself for anyone. Awesome. All right, and Michael, if anyone wants to get hold of you, if they want to find out about your, the website and any events, follow you on socials, what do they do? Where do they go? Okay, well, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I get, use the handle happy without the hooch um and my website which lists um alcohol free events across the uk and ireland um you can find that at um www.sobersocials.co.uk amazing michael thanks so much for coming on today man i really appreciate your journey your sharing and everything that you're now doing as a result of stopping drinking as well so i wish you all the best dude thank you very much and thanks for the invitation pleasure take care bye bye guys bye if you want to find out more about working with me and seeing how i can help you stop drinking and start showing up in life the way that you really want visit patrickjfox.com to find out more or book a free consultation using the link in the show notes Till next time, take care.